would to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. And it's good to be in the house of the Lord, worshiping God. He's worthy of praise. He's worthy of honor. He's worthy of glory. And there's nobody like Him. How deep the Father's love for us. And I was thinking as we were singing that, how deep God's love is towards us that He gave us prayer. And so as we consider that, let's come to the Lord and ask for His help and His encouragement now. Father, I just thank You, Lord, that You have given us such a gift that we can talk to You and commune with You and look to You and pour our hearts out to You. You love to hear our prayers. You delight to hear the prayers of Your people. And Lord, there's a longing deep within every human heart, a hunger ultimately for God. Even if for much of our lives, we were searching for it in all the wrong places until You awakened us to the grace that is in Jesus Christ and You brought us into fellowship with You if we're Christians. And Father, there may be some who do not know Your love in here. They do not know the hope of Christ. They do not know the lavish love that would send Jesus to a cross to die a bloody death to redeem a people to Himself. And I pray, God, for those who are among us who don't know Jesus, that they would be stirred in their souls by this glorious Savior, this King that we come to worship every Sunday and all through the week. And Father, I pray that as we consider the Word of God, as we consider the Scriptures, that we would hear from You and that Your people would have open hearts and Lord, that we would be leaning in to get a Word that is... God breathed. Lord, it's not the mere words of men. It's the Word of God that is true and that is good and that is right. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, come. Be with us now in this time we ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Amen. We have spectacular, incredible promises of God when it comes to prayer. Because we have an incredible, spectacular God. And as I was considering this message this week, I knew I was going to preach on prayer by about Thursday. But as I was thinking about it, this, this privilege that I don't even feel worthy to talk about in some ways, I feel like I come up here and I just want to give you a whiff of the glory it is that we can be connected with God in prayer and we can ask Him like a child coming to our Father and asking Him for the things we need. And so I thought to myself, do I really love prayer? I'm going to ask you guys that. Do you love prayer? Do you really think you need prayer? And do you long deep in your bones to be with God? Do you long to go into your closet and meet the Father? 
in prayer. Because that's exactly what we get to do when we pray. There's 150 psalms devoted to teach us what it means to be a people of prayer. We're going to be in the Sermon on the Mount today, and Jesus spends over 20 verses just on prayer. When he gives this famous sermon to his disciples, he's going to devote a huge chunk to help us get at this reality of prayer. So I, I thought this week, you know, am I hungry for God? Are we hungry for God? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Not my opinion, the word of God straight from the mouth of Jesus. Are we desperate for God? John 15, 5 says, I am the vine. Jesus says this. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. This is Jesus talking to us about connecting with him and connecting with the Father in prayer and what it means and to stir in our souls ultimately a desire and a passion and a love for prayer. And I was just thinking like, is there something churning in our souls deep within that longs for more? That longs for more of God, that longs for more satisfaction, that longs for more joy, that longs for the energy that's going to be the catalyst for anything we do for God in this world. Well, it happens when the people of God get serious about prayer and they long to drink from the well of refreshing communion with God. And just say, Lord, pour the waters out. Pour the living waters out. I need refreshment. Or we long for that sweet nectar of relational honey that comes when we just come to God as we are. Or if we come for a hearty meal and we're hungry for God and we come and we step up to the buffet that he spread out. And we begin to ask him like a child, looking at a table full of sweets and goodies and blessings. Daddy, I want that. I want that. And I want that. And God loves to give his people good things. He loves to give his children good things. Now, the truth be told, we live in a fallen world. We have corrupt hearts. And so we really struggle when it comes to prayer. And sometimes we find ourselves running away from God. You may have come in here today and you're running away from God. You're not running towards God in prayer. You're running away. So if you're running away from God, you're going to be running away from prayer. And you're going to be running away from the blessings God has for you. 
Because when we pray, we're acknowledging we need God. And when we don't pray, we're saying, I don't need you. I'll do it on my own. The great Anglican preacher J.C. Ryle once said, to be prayerless is to be without God, without Christ, without grace, without hope, and without heaven. It's to be on the road to hell. It's to be cut off from the fountain of blessings that God has for us. So this thing, this prayer reality, this gift, this blessing that God has given to His people is so important that to be without it is to be on the road to hell. So what I want this sermon to be about and what I hope that the Lord does in your heart is He begins to fan a flame and a passion and a love that just begins to ignite in your soul around prayer and around praying as a church. Praying as an individual. Coming to God. Seeking God. Longing for God. And Jesus knows that it's hard to pray in a distracting world. And so He's going to give us all kinds of spectacular promises in this passage. And he's already taught earlier in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 6, he teaches on the Lord's Prayer and he teaches how not to pray. Right? But now, Jesus is going to give us fuel for the engine of prayer in our life so that we would be helped and encouraged and spurred on in the task in the joy and the privilege of coming to the Lord in prayer. So let's look at our text as we get into Matthew chapter 7 and verse 7 and just get help from Jesus. And, and when we're going through this, I just want us to see three things. We're going to see a call. We're going to see a hope. And we're going to see a heart. The call of prayer, the hope of prayer, and the heart of prayer. So as we read, starting in verse 7, let's look for that. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Or which of you, or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who's in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? There might not be a more amazing promise in the Bible around prayer than the one that Jesus lays on us right here. He, just, he lays it on us and it's a call. It's a stark call. It's a command built in with all kinds of promises to ask and to seek and to knock. So that's the first thing we see. The call of prayer. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So Jesus is asking us 
as children of God, as disciples of Jesus, as followers of Him. To ask and to seek and to knock. So let's just look at that. Those three things, one at a time. Ask, he says. Asking is about dependence. Asking is about leaning on God for what you need. Asking is about coming to God like a child. Depending on Him. Needy. Father, I need you. Father, can you help me with this? I mean, one thing I learned as a parent very early is that children are not shy about telling you what they want. They're not shy about it. They're not bashful. They're going to tell you often. They're going to tell you loudly. They're going to tell you excitedly. What's on their heart? They just love to talk to dad and mom about what they want. Jesus is tapping into that and saying, come to God like that. Come to God like a child longing to talk to his dad. He's your father. It's all over this passage. He's your father. Ask him. Ask him in prayer. Some of you, some of you don't ask God anything. I can't ask God. I'm, he's, he's on the throne. Like, he doesn't want to hear from me. I'm just little old me. Forget all that. Jesus says to. And Jesus came from the Father, knows the Father, and He's declaring the Father's will. And He's saying, come and ask me. i got a buffet spread out. And I'm going to give you good things. Beloved, do you realize that this passage is calling you to depend on God? Not to depend on yourself. Not to, to, to quickly dial the phone. Not to try to work it all out and try to, try to do all the stuff on your own and throw the world on your back. And we are so anxious and we are so overtired and we are so overworked and we are so beat up. And God is saying, please ask me. Cast your cares on me. I care for you. Didn't Jesus say in, in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread? Like, ask God for what you need. Jesus taught us to. Depend on Him. Rely on Him. He loves to hear from you. And He loves to provide. And He knows what you need. Maybe you're in here today and you're all burnt out. You're all anxious. And you're feeling beat up. And the Father's saying to you, I love you. And I long for you to ask me. I long for you to bring that to me. I long to hear from you. I, I, it's a relationship. I read a statistic. I read two different polls today. One was years ago, and it was a poll that said the average Christian prays, this is average in the nation, about a minute a day. One minute a day. 
And then another poll had it at about eight minutes. So maybe it's somewhere in, in the middle there that the average Christian prays. And you can't, you can't foster a relationship on four minutes. If you talk to anybody in your life four minutes out of the day, that's not a good relationship. I wouldn't say you're really close. And Jesus is just saying, ask. Perhaps the banner over your life is he asked not, therefore he has not. Or she asked not, therefore she has not. Jesus is seeking to energize your love to come to God, who's the greatest person in the universe. And all true prayer begins with an asking. But then Jesus says in verse 7, he says, seek and you will find. So he tells us to ask, but then he tells us to seek. And so when asking becomes habitual, when asking becomes the thing that you do when you're spending time with God, when you're like Jesus, who the king of the universe when he was born and he grew and he was a man, he got alone with the Father and he prayed. He'd have a full day of ministry and then he would get alone, recharge, spend time with the Father and go out and do it all over again. That's a seeking God. That's, that's a habitual coming to God. And that's what Jesus has in view. Seek. You're seeking a person. Jesus said earlier in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Life gets hard really quick when we lose focus and we fail to seek the Lord. And God designed... the world, and he designed human beings made in his image so that we would depend on him. You can't get through life on your own. Some of you in here today have learned horrible lessons of trying to do it on your own. Then God is saying, ask, seek, look to me. You've been looking everywhere else. And it's time you turn to me because I love you. And I'm drawing you into something intimate. I'm drawing you something into something profound. David knew what it was to seek God in prayer. The Bible says he's a man after God's own heart. And that's how he could pen words like Psalm 63.1. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly, earnestly I seek you. And my soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. A life of prayer is all about seeking the face of God. It's all about the intimacy that comes. This seeking is like inviting you into looking for treasure. Inviting you into looking for something deep. 
looking for something that, that requires a seeking. It requires something of you, brothers and sisters. It requires something of you to pray. It requires the intimacy of getting your heart before God honestly and seeking Him. You ask and you seek. When was the last time that you got alone and just sought God? You, you turned off your phone. You turned off the TV. You turned off the constant Facebook notifications and all of the things that are hitting you on the news feeds and all of that. And you just said, I'm getting alone with God to seek Him. Ask. Seek. And then Jesus says, knock. Isn't that profound? Verse 7 reminds us we ask, we seek, but we also got to knock. And the idea is that you're knocking on the gates, right? You're knocking on a door. You're knocking on the gates. Prayer is knocking on the gates of heaven. Have you ever thought about it like that? The book of Hebrews reminds us that we're to come to the throne of grace boldly and you will get help in a time of need don't just come haphazardly come boldly come boldly because he's inviting you into it that's what jesus is saying knock prayer is about getting in touch with god knock and the door gets opened there is no blessings in prayer that won't come if you don't start knocking on doors. You've got to knock. You've got to seek. And you've got to ask. And notice there's like a progression here. It's like intensifying. First you're asking, then you're seeking. Now you're pounding on the gates of heaven. Oh Lord, I need you. I long for you. I want to spend time with you. The early church was accustomed to knocking on the gates of heaven. They gave attention in the book of Acts to two things, primarily. Prayer and the ministry of the Word. Prayer and the ministry of the Word. That was the drumbeat of the book of Acts. You go read through all 28 chapters of the book of Acts, and it's all about prayer and the Word of God coalescing to bring about revival, missions, the work of God. Peter gets thrown into jail and what do the people do? But they pray for Peter. He's locked up. Four squads of guards guarding him and the people are knocking. Lord, don't let him go down like this. And an angel opens the door, sets him free and he goes out of the prison. He ends up going to the prayer meeting and they don't even believe it. They're praying for him like, Lord, come on, set, let Peter out. And he's knocking on the door. The servant girl opens the door and Peter's standing there and she's so freaked out. She leaves him at the door, goes and tells everybody. <laughs> that's a church that's knocking. Oh, that we would be that kind of people, that we'd be knocking on the doors of heaven, knocking for people's salvation. I will not let you go, Lord, unless you bless me. That's the kind of thing that's going on in what Jesus is commending. Knock and it will be opened. 
So we see this call. This call of prayer. But the next thing we see is the hope of prayer. And I want you to see it in verses 7 and 8 together. You see the hope of prayer. You've got all these commands. These were commands in the scriptures. Ask, seek, knock. But now it says ask and what? It will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And then look, this is an amazing promise. Verse 8. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Talk about taking Jesus at his word. I can't imagine a better promise than the one he lays on us right here. It's like Jesus wants you to know that I'm infusing all of prayer with hope. Hope that when you reach out, you're going to get in touch with the Father. That when you reach out, the goodness of God is going to shower on you. That doesn't mean you're not going to go through hard times. That does not mean you're not going to go through difficult situations. That doesn't mean that you're not going to experience pain, difficulty, and suffering. But it does mean when the people of God begin to pray that God hears us. That we have an audience with God and that his ear hears every cry of his children's heart. And he's like a good father just longing to meet you in that moment. And one thing that you'll notice here, or that maybe isn't evident in the actual English, but in Greek, these words, ask, seek, and knock, they're in the present tense. They're present tense imperatives, which means that you've got to keep on knocking, keep on asking, keep on seeking. Don't give up. Be tenacious in your prayer life. And then verse 8 is that fuel that ignites that persistent stick to of prayer. Like, like, I'm holding on. I'm holding on, Lord, because I know the blessing is coming. For everyone who asks, receives. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Ugh. What it would be that we would be a people of persistent prayer, that we would be able to be a people that ask and seek and knock and we beat on the gates of heaven and we say, Lord, run the heavens, come down, meet with your people in power, in truth, in grace. Lord, begin to save people, bring revival into hearts, bring renewal into dead hearts, discouraged souls. Beat up and battered people who have no hope in this world because King Jesus doesn't reign in their hearts and they're lost. It has to be the kind of fervent, persistent seeking after God that realizes, man, when we start praying like that, God meets us. He revitalizes our hearts. He revitalizes our churches. And he begins to renew people in ways that you never even dreamed. No eye has seen, no ear has heard the things that God has prepared for his people. 
And he's ready to do above and beyond what you ask, hope, or imagine. But it will not happen if we are not a asking, seeking, knocking people. Like Jacob wrestling with the angel of the Lord all night long. I will not let you go, Lord, until you bless me. Do you pray like that? Lord, I'm going to keep hanging on until you save this person. My grandmother prayed for 20 years for my salvation. And things looked like they were getting from bad to worse. And she kept praying and she kept knocking and she kept seeking. Until one day I called her up and said, hey, I just got saved. <laughs> and she was like, she was like Jacob, right? She had been asking and she would not let go until the Lord prevailed in that situation. Truth be told, we can give up so quickly in prayer. Oh, I prayed that one time and, and, and God didn't answer. Maybe the Lord is deepening your faith. And if you got everything you wanted right away, number one, we shouldn't get everything we ask for. Every parent knows that you don't want to give your kids everything they ask for because they ask for messed up stuff, right? I mean, this passage says if your kid, you know, asks for bread, you're not going to give them a, you know, serpent. But sometimes kids ask for serpents. So, right? We got to know that the Father is discerning and He knows what you need. He knows what's good. And He's never going to fail to give you good things when you ask. So the story we read earlier about the persistent widow who doesn't give up and she's bugging the unjust judge like, I'm going to keep bugging him until he gives me justice. This was a wicked judge. And she prevailed on him and prevailed on him. And Jesus taught that parable for this reason. Luke 18, verse 1. And he told them a parable to the effect that they always ought to pray and not lose heart. It's like Jesus is like, spoiler alert, I want you to not lose heart in prayer. That's why I'm telling you this parable. And I'll have you know that God is not like some wicked judge that's just holding out on you. He loves to give justice to His people. And He longs to hear from His people. And will God find faith on earth that knocks and seeks and asks and, not give, and, and doesn't give up? That's what Jesus is commending here. That kind of prayer. I can't tell you how many times I've been praying about a thing and I just wanted to give up. And right as I'm about to give up, God answers. Have you ever had that happen? You've been praying for something. You've been longing for it to happen and you're just about to give up and God comes through and He answers. And then you're reminded all that long, intense laboring in prayer. It's like a woman giving labor, right? You're going through nine months of pregnancy and then you have this labor and delivery and finally, there's such gratitude and joy and blessing over this long labor when the baby has come. 
Well, prayer is a lot like that. It can be hard. It can be difficult. It could be tough to fight through the distraction, but you cannot give up, Jesus is saying. Don't give up before the blessing comes. For verse 8 says, For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. So we've seen, ultimately, that there's a calling. Jesus calls us to pray. There's a hope of prayer. Jesus builds all sorts of promises into the blessing of prayer. And then, oh, God, God wants to show you His heart. There's the heart of prayer. Look at this. The heart of prayer shows you God's generous heart. Look at verse 9. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Did you see that generous heartbeat of God in prayer? He's longing to give good things to his children. And Jesus is teaching us that one of the greatest reasons that we should turn to him, that one of the greatest reasons we shouldn't give up on prayer is that God is leaning in and he's leaning towards you in love saying, I am so much better than any earthly father you've ever experienced. And he can outgive 10,000 fathers, 10,000 days over. And he knows exactly what you need and he knows your heart. And so when you come to him, he knows the medicine to apply in the right moment. And so often we get so discouraged because we think, I'm praying, but I don't know if God knows what's going on here. I don't know if God knows how bad it is. I don't know if God knows that I'm hanging on by a thin thread and I don't think I can do it anymore. But perhaps He's calling you to break through in prevailing, persistent, dependent prayer. And He's telling you, I've got a generous heart. Verse 9 reminds us that this is kind of an argument, right? From the, he's going to show us the lesser thing and then say, if the lesser thing's true, then the greater thing is incredibly true, right? So look, he says, which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? He's talking to his disciples. Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? And Jesus is teaching that even... Corrupt, fallen, frail, human fathers that make a lot of mistakes still love to give good things to their children. No dad is going to be like, okay, so son, you wanted some bread? Would you like, some, you wanted some bread? Okay, here's a stone. I'm going to throw a stone in your knapsack, which looked kind of like loaves of bread in those times. He's saying he's not going to pull a bait and switch on you. Sometimes we think that God's just out to get us. This teaches the exact opposite and saying, listen, if even 
broken earthly fathers bless their children, how much more does God want to bless us? I can remember two Christmases ago, my children telling me, we want a Nintendo Switch, Dad. Like, that was the thing that they were longing for. Just give me a Nintendo Switch. And they asked me probably a hundred times in a hundred different ways. And you know what? When Christmas came, they didn't open up a gift and see like a knockoff Switch, right? They didn't open up a gift and see a rattlesnake. They got that box in their hands. They tore the wrapping off. They opened it up. They looked in and they ran all over the place taking the switch with them. We got a switch. We got a switch. We got a switch. Daddy, you did it. Is God not, is his heart not so much more full of love and full of generosity and full of grace towards you. Jesus is teaching you about the Father's heart. That's what a verse 11 is saying to us, right? Verse 11 says, if you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? you got to live in the how much more. How much more does God want to do for you? How much more does God want to deal with? with you. How much more does God want to hear your prayers? He gets joy in showing up when you're in trouble. He's a refuge and an ever-present help in a time of need. Psalm 46.1 And God loves to give you good Things and to demonstrate his love for you by giving you the greatest of things. And sometimes we fail to believe this because we fail to look to the cross. And one of the reasons that we sung this song about how deep the Father's love towards you is because his provision and his gifts and his good things that he gives to us has never more been demonstrated than on the cross of Calvary. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. That's how God loves you, dear saint. He loves you like that. He gave his son up for you. Or Romans 8.32 links the good things that God provides with us with the cross. When it says, he, meaning God, who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? If he gave us Jesus, if he didn't spare his son, how much more is he not going to give us the lesser things that we need? Beloved, he's demonstrated his care for you. He's demonstrated his love for you. And some of you sit here today and you don't believe it because you don't look to the cross. Some of you don't look to the cross when you get on your knees. But you come to God as a cosmic butler or a cosmic genie and you ask Him for a few things that 
have nothing to do with his will. It's like, God, give me a scorpion. Because you haven't knelt before the cross and sought his redemption. You've not come to see that Jesus provides an abundant rescue for your brokenness and your sin and your evil. Notice verse 11 reminds us that we're evil, reminds us that we struggle with sin, reminds us that we need a rescuer. So this invitation to prayer, this amazing, spectacular promise is anchored and rooted in the cross of Jesus Christ that so pours out the love of God towards us. That if you experience the fullness of it. You would just be on your face with tears of joy. God loves you. And he's good and he's wise. And perhaps you've been knocking. You've been feeling he's not giving me this thing. Well, he's a wise father. So he knows what you need and he knows what's good for you. Perhaps you've been faltering in your faith and in, in your prayerless. Today you realize I'm prayerless. I've not really depended on God. Yes, I claim to be a Christian. Yes, I've, I've went through the motions rel religious wise and I've done the rituals, but I don't have the relationship. I don't know this father. Though I wear the name Christian. Perhaps the Lord is inviting you into a sweet fellowship today that comes through the cross of Christ. It comes through Jesus shed blood and righteousness. That was spilt out on the cross of Calvary. It comes because Jesus didn't stay in the tomb, but three days later he burst out of it triumphant and he gives life to all who believe and he calls men and women, boys and girls and teenagers to himself. You're never going to fix the mess you're in without Jesus. But he invites you to come to him today. And I close with this irony that Luke's account of this very passage reminds us Luke eleven thirteen puts a different spin on it. it says if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask. All salvation that comes from God comes when people call upon his name and they ask him to save them. And that reality was brought home very sweetly to me yesterday. As I labored before the throne of grace for at least a year. And God was pleased to break into somebody's life that I love. And do a work because when you call on God and when you lay hold of this promise and when you ask him, can you save me? Can you deal with my heart? Can you deal with my pain? Can you deal with my brokenness? He shows up and he says, yes, 
You want to know why? You look to the cross. Because that's what Jesus did for you. And He's my Son. And I sent Him for that purpose. I sent Him to rescue from the, you from the wrath that you deserve. And I sent Him to clean up your messes and my messes. So will we lay hold of these promises? And will we trust this glorious Father who's leaning toward you in love today? Let's pray. Father God, I believe you're doing a work in here today and you're moving on hearts. There are some in here who do need to repent of sin. They've been walking in darkness. They've been denying and rebelling and living for themselves. And you're calling them to yourself. You're calling them to turn to you. You're calling them to cry out to you and say, Lord, would you, would you help me? Would you forgive me? Would you come into my life? Would you renew me? And there's some here like that, Lord. And there's others who are here and this prayer thing has become just kind of foreign to them. It's not something that's a regularity in their life. They don't have that sweet communion. They love Jesus, yes, but they don't really have the intimacy they long for. And I pray for them, Lord, that, that they would be encouraged right now to come to you and say, Lord, ignite a passion for prayer. Help me to be an asking, seeking, knocking on the gates of heaven Christian that doesn't give up when things get hard. But help me to be like the persistent widow. Lord, would you do that in some hearts? There's others, Father, who just needed encouragement today. They needed reasons. They needed hope. They needed to know that the Father loves them. They needed to know that Jesus is just glorious and, and He's so good and He loves them so much. They're wounded in their hearts right now. And they need a touch from you. Would you work that in their hearts and would you help them now? I pray in Jesus' name.